Good morning, everyone. Depending on the time you're listening to the show, it could be good afternoon or good evening. It is me, your Crime Rewind host, Shanna, joined by everyone's favorite co-host. Amanda, it's me. We are back bringing you another episode of Crime Rewind. Um, everyone's favorite armchair detectives are bringing you a brand new case. So I'm hoping that you know people are ready to to get in their armchairs, get comfy, and go on a journey with us. What about you, Amanda? Are you ready? I think I'm ready. As ready as I'll ever be when it comes to these. <laughs> um, and just as a, a precursor, um, this episode is going to drop on Tuesday, April 25th. Um, for anybody that's listening, please go check out our Crime Rewind page on Facebook. Um, there is a woman that is missing out of Minnesota. Um, so please take a look at that. I know that I'm in the Midwest in Iowa. So, you know, the chances of maybe knowing someone or seeing something are great. And, you know, let's let's bring Maddie home. So if you wouldn't mind going on there and sharing and, you know, share to whatever social media profile and platforms you use, it would be much appreciated. Her case is struggling to find exposure and it's something that has just recently happened. So, you know, it's still very, very solvable. So please take a yeah. look. All right. So that being said, this is a cold case. This is from 1988. Okay. And we are going on a trip to New Mexico. We are All going. Right. Yeah. We haven't been to New Mexico yet. So we are going to Bellin, New Mexico. And we're going to talk about the case of Tara Lee Alico. Some people say her name is Tara, but I've heard it both ways. So. I will probably say Tara. Okay. <laughs> so we are talking about Tara, who was born on February 28th, 1969. And she was born to David Calico, who is her dad, her mom, Patty Dole. Um, they are divorced and her mom has remarried. Her stepdad's name is Joe, or excuse me, John Dole. And she has a sister named Michelle Dole. Okay. Tara was born like I said, on February 28th, 1969. And she was believed to have been abducted um, on September 20th, 1988. So the day that she went missing, um, she left her home around 9, 9.30 in the morning. She was an avid biker. She loved to go outdoors on her pink huffy bike. And she would commonly uh, do the same 17-mile stretch um, every day on New Mexico State Road 47. Uh, that was kind of like her loop, her lap loop. And her mom would typically go with her. But her mom had kind of backed away from it because she felt like they were being stalked by a particular motorist. Interesting. So she's like, I don't want to do that anymore. I, you know, I don't want to bike anymore. And Tara, being, you know, an independent young lady, 19, I course. Believe. Yeah, she was like, oh, no, nothing to worry about. You know, I don't think we're being stopped or anything. I'm going to go ahead and go. I'm going to continue biking that road. It's a busy road. You know, it's fine. So her mom suggested that she get some pepper spray mace to take with her. 
but Tara declined saying, you know, her mom was overreacting, typical reaction for a young lady. Right. So Tara told her mom that she was going for a ride and that if she wasn't home by noon, could her mom get in the car and come pick her up? Because she had plans to play tennis with her boyfriend at 1230. So obviously a very active, physically fit young lady. Yeah. So when Tara didn't get home, Patty got in her car and drove along the usual bike path and didn't find her. Like, couldn't find her anywhere. And this was the same bike path that Tara always took. She never went anywhere else. She wasn't the type to, you know, make any stops off anywhere else without, you know, letting someone know where she intended to leave, where she intended to go. You know, she was right with everyone. So Patty contacted police right kind of felt in her gut that, you know, something was wrong. So police started searching the road along where Tara was supposed to be biking, and they actually found pieces of her broken Walkman. Mm. And a cassette were found along the road. That's not good. So Patty thinks that maybe she dropped them in an attempt to leave a mark to let someone know that something was wrong. Yeah. So there were a lot of witnesses that actually saw Tara riding her bike that day, but her bike was never found. The pink huffy was never found. Wow. So Nick thought she was abducted. And although there were no witnesses to the actual abduction, several people saw a light pickup truck with a camper hitched to it following very closely. Is that the same car that had been stalking them or whatever no it didn't it didn't i didn't find anything where they they made the connection okay because i'm assuming the mom is going to report that at this point if she's missing yeah so and that's kind of where it ends for a while a long time for about a year okay i mean police are kind of stumped they can't find any clues about what happened to her there's no witnesses you know, late 80s, there's no, yeah, there's no ring doorbells, you know, there's, there's really nothing. There's no cell phones where someone could call if they saw something weird along the road. Yeah. Sure. Um, a woman was in a gas station um, in, I believe it was St. Joe's, Florida. Hmm. I've got it. Hang on just a second. Um, Fort St. Joe, sorry, Florida, at a gas okay. station. And it was a Polaroid um, of a young female and a boy bound and gagged in the back of what looked like a van. Like the photo was just laying around somewhere or what? He said that it had fallen out of this vehicle. Like when the guy got out to go inside, it had fallen out of the vehicle. And oh then my God. picked it up after he had left and saw what it was. So she contacted police. And they actually tried to put up like roadblocks and everything to see if they could stop the car or the van and see um, if they, you know, could stop him and, and figure out anything. Because obviously if the dude's got a picture of, two young people bound and gagged. Yeah. Pedo van. There's a problem. 
Um, so she said it fell out of the windowless Toyota van that had been parked at the gas station. And she said the man that was driving the vehicle looked to be in his mid to late thirties and had a mustache. So again, they, they tried to, to stop the vehicle, but it was never identified. She didn't get the license plate number. She probably didn't even think about it. She, well, she didn't pick up the paper yeah. photo until after the person had left, you know, she probably. Oh, okay. And then she's like, Holy crap. Wow. Police obviously want to know who these people are. So they release the picture to the media and it is aired on a current affair. And it gets aired on Oprah and Ricky Lake and all of those shows. Um, An analysis of the picture determines that it had to have been taken after May of 1989 because of the film that was used. Okay. Wasn't pre-abduction. It was after her abduction. So friends of the Calico family contacted them stating that they had seen this picture on a current affair and that the picture looked like Tara or Tara. So Patty gets a hold of the FBI and the police and she asked to see the picture. And she actually believes that the picture is of Tara. Okay. So she actually took some time before identifying it. Um, she went to the police and said, you know, I think this is my daughter because this, there's a scar on the leg of the girl in the picture. And she says it's like, identical to one that's on Tara's leg. Okay. So she took some time and kind of like reflected on what she was seeing in the picture before she told police that it was her daughter. She said she wanted to sit back and think about it and not right. out of emotion. She wanted to process what she was seeing before telling them that, that she thought it was her daughter. So then police bring in several agencies that kind of are experts in this kind of thing. They brought in Scotland Yard. And Scotland Yard determined that, in fact, the picture was most likely Tara. Scotland Yard? Yeah. A second example. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I think they were just trying to get all hands on deck to try and figure out, you know, who this person was. If they're in danger, how could we help them? Kind of. But we we have that in America. I don't know. <laughs> or I'm that confuses me. Okay. Well, they were anyway. The family was asking for help from all sorts of different sources. They even yeah the help of a private lab. Um, called Los Alamos National Laboratory to take a look, and they said it was not Tara. And then the FBI said it was inconclusive. So you have one party saying, yes, it's most likely her, one saying it's not, and a third saying it's inconclusive. So that's... Hmm. So time goes on, and they are having trouble finding any, you know, leads or anything to finding Tara or finding the identity of the people in the the photograph. So another reason that Patty actually thinks it's her daughter as well is in the picture, there's a book laying next to the girl and it's a copy of VC Andrews, my sweet Audrina. Mm. And that is actually one of Tara's favorite books. Oh, so that's another thing that she, you know, is another reason why she's convinced that it's her daughter. 
Right. Yeah, that makes sense. There was a family of a young missing man named Michael Henley who came forward believing that the male in the picture may have been their son. Um, however, investigators don't think that's the case. Uh, he actually went missing um, and his remains were found in 1990 in the Zuni Mountains, about seven miles away from where his family had been camping at the time he disappeared. Aww. So police believe he actually wandered off and died of exposure. So they don't believe that he was the person in the picture. Oh, okay. So, again, it kind of filters off and, and goes cold for a while. And then in 2009, 20 years later, um, after the Polaroid was found at the gas station parking lot, um, pictures of another boy were sent to the Saint jo or Port St. Joe, Florida Police Department Chief David Burns, or Barnes, and they were postmarked uh, June 10th and August 10th of 20 or 2009, and they also contained letters. And one of the letters was a printed copy paper that had a young man with sandy brown hair who looked very similar to the young man that was in the original photo. And someone had drawn a, like a line, like a band over where the tape was. And the original photo that got, the Polaroid that got sent in, the kid had tape over his mouth. And in this picture, someone had drawn tape on where that, the tape was in the previous picture, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then in the second letter, the original photo arrived. Not the, the photocopy, but the original photo. Um, How? Oh, it's not the same. Okay, never mind. It's similar to the, the other photo, but not that same picture. The boy looks the same. Yeah, okay. It doesn't have any pictures of Tara in it. Oh. It's crazy. August 12th, a third letter arrived depicting the same image, and that is because of the drawn-on um, tape on the mouse. They, for some reason, thought that that was indicative that it was related to Tara's case. So, all three letters were sent around the same time that there was a psychic that got involved, and we always know when a psychic gets involved, things get hanky. <laughs> so, the psychic had contacted the police about Tara and said she had met a runaway in California who was working at a strip club and that had later been murdered. And she stated that in her dream, it was revealed that Tara was buried in California. And she kind of depicted where she thought she might be buried. So police decided, you know, we're going to do whatever we can to try and bring this girl home. So they searched the areas that the psychic described, but they weren't able to find anything. I know. Surprise. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> so the, the second set of photos, the ones that arrived in the mail and the letters were handed over to the FBI so that they could try and collect DNA and fingerprint the, um, if there's any, anything that could be taken from it. So two additional photos that are possibly of Tara have been found over the years. So the first one was at a construction site in Montecito, California. Now, it's a blurry photo, and I will include all of these on release day tomorrow. Um, I'll send them to you real quick just so you can kind of see what we're working with. Okay. 
so this is the original photo that was sent or the one that was found in the parking lot okay and now i'm going to send you the two additional photos okay hold on this this photo was found a year later and they're doubting whether or not that's her that's a pretty clear picture of the girl like that's pretty identifiable how could they not be sure if that was her or not right and let me send you i'll send you a picture of her Hmm. Uh, the, and if you notice the picture of um, they're saying the second set of pictures that I sent you the close up with the, the tape over the girl's mouth they're saying that the blue that's in the background is very similar to the blue pillow that's in the first picture that she's kind of propped up on oh. yeah so I believe it's the same person so for people who want to see the pictures, that's totally understandable. I can give you a brief, you know, description of them. So the second picture that was sent is a picture of a woman on a train. What they say is a train or train. And she's bound loosely with gauze. And her mouth appears to be bound. And then she's got big black rimmed glasses over that. And there's a male passenger next to her. Except he doesn't seem, he seems to be, he doesn't seem to be a victim. He yeah, yeah. Looks like he's either an abductor or something. I don't know. Um, and then the second picture that was found later is a close-up of a face um, with just tape over the mouth. You really can't see anything. It looks like she may be topless, but you don't see anything like of her body. Um, so yeah. both times the film was determined to not have been available prior to February of 1990. Now, Patty took a look at these pictures and she believes the one that is a close-up of the face may be Tara, but she can't be sure. But she believes yeah. the other one is most likely a prank. Yeah. I don't think that's... So, in 1998, the a judge ruled her or declared her dead, um, and decided that her death was most likely a homicide. So he ruled it as such. Yeah. Um. So, fast forward to 2008. There's a new sheriff in Valencia County. And that is the county that she lived in and disappeared from that got a report from some informants. Like he kind of, I'm guessing somebody got in trouble for some drugs or something. And you yeah, know, informant. but he's got two teen informants that informed him that two other teens had accidentally hit Tara with their truck on the road that day. And they tried to help her, but she died or they panicked and killed her. Um, and they were able to make her body disappear? Oh, well, that's where it gets a little hinky. That seems weird. 
The report states that the truck, the, the informants, excuse me, report that the truck got up too close to her and accidentally hit her. He states that he knows the names of the boys involved, but because there's no body, he can't really make a case. And he says that the parents of the boys that he was told were involved are very well connected in the community. Uh. So, and he believes that most likely the parents of the boys helped them cover this up. There, and there's nothing that can, I mean, link them? Not so I mean, I guess it is, he said, he said, whatever, if there's no evidence, but I mean, if two people are coming forward and saying this happened. Right. That's what's got Tara's family upset, saying that the sheriff should never have released that information if he didn't have enough for an arrest. And that the information provided by the yeah. witnesses not for a circumstantial arrest. But the problem is, you know, we're looking at almost yeah. 30 years, you know, 25, 30 years of that evidence is gone. You know, oh, the, yeah, for sure. Everything, you know, they had all this time to cover it up. So in 2013, August or October, excuse me, a six person task force was established to look into Tara's case. And as of now, no arrests have been made. But in September 2021, a sealed warrant was executed on a private residence in Valencia County, but no information about whose house it was, what they were looking for, or what they found was ever made public. Bummer. Yeah. So I don't think that they've given up hope. I think they're still trying to find... I think it's this new sheriff that is ultimately trying to, you know, bring something. He wants justice for Tara and her family. And I can kind of agree with her family. Like they, he shouldn't have said anything, you know, because he said something in 2008 and the search warrant wasn't conducted until 2021. So that's, you know, 14, 13, 14 years yeah. that, that they had time to, to get rid of any evidence. Um, and he also said that he believes that she is buried somewhere within the county. So I'm assuming he, I'm, I'm guessing they know who did it, what happened. But nobody. Right. You know, you're looking at the so, you know, the evidence tracking people down or anything. Even the best eyewitness testimony after 30 years is considered sketchy. Right. Like, remember shit from 30 years ago. Yeah. Like, why would you? If, right. You know. You don't know that that's something you should remember, you know? Right. Like, you saw someone driving behind a bicyclist and you've seen that, you know, you're a regular around the area. You see that every day. You see her out on her bike. So if someone's driving behind her, you don't think to, you know, that you need to right. a specific day. And it's just heartbreaking because, you know, her family wants to know what happened to her, where she is, you know, yeah. her home. And they don't, what I wonder is if, you know, because they were teenagers, if they were being punks. You know, and acting like driving up real close to her and acting like they were going to hit her and then backing up and then driving up again, you know, just kind of taunting her. And actually, yeah. like or something. 
because if it was an actual accident, like, you know, they, they sideswiped her or whatever, why not go to the cops? They had to have been doing something that was stupid and dangerous. And if your family is that well connected, chances are you've done things like that before. And you've gotten right. It. So I don't know. It's infuriating because especially if he knows what he knows, you know, he says he knows who did it. He just can't make anything happen because his parent, the boy's parents are so well connected and they helped him cover it up. And from the sources I was reading, it gave the impression that they were connected somehow to law enforcement. Right. Sounds like the Murdochs. Yeah. But, you know, back in the 80s. And right. What could have been, I, I don't want to say like a, a slap on the wrist, but because it, it, it shouldn't have been a slap on the wrist if they were doing something dangerous. Now, if they were driving and let's say they got a flat tire, their tire blew out and they accidentally hit her, that, you know, that is not a criminal offense. Right. You know, that is an accident. You know, chances are they would have come out and said, hey, I'm so sorry. Or, you know, they wouldn't have picked her up and picked up her bike and hid evidence. Yeah. Like. Do, that there's a chance that um, the finding of the broken Walkman and cassette might have been from the impact. And they just missed those pieces when picking up the other stuff. Maybe. Like maybe it wasn't. Like, maybe she wasn't actually abducted at all. You know, they just missed those pieces when they were cleaning up after the accident. But at the same time, if it's a highway or a state road, are they going to have time to clean up after they, that without someone else coming along? Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. It's just, I don't know. And then her mom being so sure that those photos are her. Then she probably wasn't dead. Right. You know. I don't know. If, I I don't. I feel like the her getting hit on the side of the road and them covering it up. It doesn't feel very. It doesn't feel very plausible, and unless, like you said, these boys have done shit like this before. Because again, yeah, we didn't have cell phones, so it's not like you could immediately call your dad and be like, "Dad, help me out." Like, they would have had to have dragged her off the road or put her in their truck or whatever. And again, without anybody seeing her. And have not left evidence, you know, right. physical it's, evidence. Like, it, that just doesn't seem plausible. Yeah, if you hit someone with your car and they're riding a bike, there's going to be blood. Yeah. So there's going to be, if there's pieces of her stuff left on the side of the road, chances are there's pieces of the vehicle left on the side of the road. Right. You know, it's not just a clean getaway. If you hit someone hard enough to, to injure them bad enough where they could die or that you you know, have to kill them to keep them quiet. Yeah. And that's, I don't know. I, it just doesn't seem plausible to me that they would be able to do that in that short of a period of time. Right. And seeing something. I feel like it, the more, the more likely scenario is that she was kidnapped. And not only she that left. was on the road, like she left at nine 30 and she hadn't been back by noon. So that's a two and a half hour window mm -hmm. that they would have to have cleaned this up before the, her mom was like patrolling the area looking for her. Right. That's a very small window when you're cleaning up a crime scene. 
Yeah. Like, it's as easy to dispose of a body as they make it look on TV. No. And even if, you know, you toss her in the truck or the, the camper or whatever, you still have to deal with all the shrapnel and the evidence and stuff from... Right. What are the chances you have a broom and dustpan and are able to sweep up the side? Right. It just doesn't seem very plausible to me. Yeah, I agree. So if these people are informants, it makes me think, okay, they're just trying to give the police something that they know can't be proven to get themselves out of some trouble. Exactly. Yeah. Heartbreaking because, you know, the family deserves answers and they deserve to have her home. Yeah. Sadly, I, I don't think that she's still alive. I mean, if 30 years later. I, yeah, I don't either. Almost 50. That's kind of a long time to not be able to make any kind of contact with home. You know, to have, because you'd think in 30 yeah, I years, definitely agree. Some opportunity to get some kind of message, you know, especially with social media and everything. Um, and it's not like you have to dial right anymore. You can just dial 911. So not knowing your police department's number locally right. isn't going to call and So that man. Yeah. That's a bummer. I'm going to go 2.5 on the angry Amanda scale face today. Yeah. I mean, 2.5 three. I, you know, who knows if she was trafficked or what else could have happened? You know, obviously if, if that was her in that first picture, then it wasn't just her that was this was being done to. So, yeah, yeah, it's very upsetting, especially not knowing. But I do think, like we're saying, the most likely option is that you know someone grabbed her. They saw an opportunity. It's too and bad. They had probably been watching her for a while, learning her routine, and you know realized that she was going to be by herself, you know, and abducted her and. They had the perfect, everything just lined up to where they didn't get caught. Because, yeah. you know, any other day there may have been a car driving by or, you know, someone out walking their dog or whatever it may have been. It just happened to be that day. And maybe they got lucky or maybe they had it planned that well. Who knows? I mean, those people that are yeah. sex trafficking are very good at what they do and making people disappear. Yep. So... With that being said, I mean, that's a sucky case. I I can't imagine knowing or not knowing. I think not yeah. knowing. I would rather have her home and at peace and at rest, knowing that she wasn't suffering, than wondering. Like, you know, we've had other cases where people have gone missing, where they're out in the world, you know, they could be out in the world and you're looking for them with every person that, you know, looks like them or walks like them, or you hear a voice and you wonder, could that be what they sound like 30 years later? Yeah. Yeah. That sucks. Ugh. Yeah. So that brings us to the conclusion of our case of Tara Calico out of New Mexico. So we will share the, information on how to report anything that you may know. We will also share um, the pictures that we found um, regarding the Polaroids and her missing poster. 
um, they are, they do depict, you know, violence and abduction. So if that is not your thing, we definitely understand. You may just, you know, want to scroll past. I'll put the, the missing poster first and then I'll put the, com the other pictures in the comments. So if that is not your thing, do not open the comments. Um, those pictures will be embedded in there because they can be triggering for some. Yeah. So with that being said, Amanda, do you want to talk about what you have going on out in the world of podcasting? Oh, well, um, yeah. So I also host the Sip List podcast. And I this week we will be doing um, a special episode in a top 10 Metallica songs of all time. So it's a little out of my wheelhouse, but... You know, I know the stuff I grew up with, but not much of their newer stuff. So I'm trying to immerse myself in that before I make my list. Um, and yeah, Evening at the Movies, I co-host with Casey. We've got some stuff coming up. Um, uh, reviewing some of the different Wizard of Oz movies or Wizard of Oz story movies. We'll be doing our uh, epic final showdown between you and Chansey and Horror movie trivia. Yeah, when are we? We got to figure out when we're doing that. I'm ready. Got the questions for you guys. So, whenever you're ready to throw down and, and horror movie town, <laughs> scared? No, I'm not scared. I can beat him. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll definitely plan that and make sure we let everybody know when that's happening because that'll be a good time. All right, and I am. Shanna, you can find me here every Tuesday on Crime Rewind, where we talk about the old, the cold, and mostly untold. Hope to bring some light to cases that have kind of fallen into the shadows or just haven't gotten the exposure that they need or deserve. Yeah. Again, you can check us out on our Facebook page, or you can reach out to either of us if you have any questions. And we will talk to you next time. And until then... Hopefully we can solve a crime. That is definitely the goal. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, there's something sticky on my desk. <laughs> it's not good. Sorry about that, everybody. All right. Well, everybody have a great day, evening, what have you. Have a happy True Crime Tuesday. Yes. Okay. We're out. Goodbye. Bye.